Happy Monday morning. Welcome back to the Dialed Health Podcast. My name is Derek Teal. I'm the owner and operator of Dialed Health, which is strength training for cyclists. Today's topic is all about training through soreness. We're going to discuss really what soreness is in general and if it's a good idea to train through it or not. Spoiler alert, most of the time it is. But we're going to give you strategies on how to adjust your schedule, especially if you have a hard day that's planned, and just to get the most of your entire training volume because, you know, we are riding and we're strength training, and to overlap those things and not have them interfere is really, really difficult to navigate. It's the hardest part. So I think this conversation is going to be super relevant, and I hope it's going to be a huge help to you. We're also going to discuss some business, let you know what's going on with some 2020 events. I'm kind of just spitballing here, but I'm excited to talk about that. And then we'll get into a life update, let you know about the specialized demo I was at this weekend and how I'm keeping it real with the family, man. Uh, And then we get into the bulk of the episode. So as always... I really, really appreciate you listening to this podcast. If you are enjoying it, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes or the Apple podcast app and a little review that just says, wow, Derek, oh my gosh, 2020 events. I can't wait. There's your, there's your comment right there. That's all you need. Uh, You could also screenshot your phone of you listening to the podcast, post it to your Instagram story. I will repost it and I will love you forever. All right, let's get into the episode. My name is Mike Tyson, and I approve this Dialed Health business update. Yo, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, we are going to talk 2020 live events, but before I do that, I want to give you guys a huge shout-out for listening and all the support I've received in the last couple months. Since dropping the website, there's obviously, I've even been very vocal about things that we are going to continue to improve, and it's just this ongoing mission of being the ultimate resource for cyclists who want to strength train. But the feedback I'm getting right now is almost daily. And it's like, it's like borderline bringing me to tears, man. I have people telling me truly that their lives are being changed because they love the gym now and confidence and results. And their last bike ride was the best ride they've had and pain's going away here. And it's just crazy. It's mind blowing to understand the real impact that you can have through an online community because I felt it working with people. But the fact that I can talk to someone in Ireland and they're doing the dialed health workouts and they are, you know, tracking their food and now their rides are better and they're getting more consistent and they're just finding joy in the whole process. Man, it is just, it's like, uh, invaluable. It is, uh, you, you literally can't put a price on the feeling of knowing you're having that impact. So anyways, you guys, thank you so much. It's, it's really firing me up to take my own training to the next level and to just do my best to lead by example and always be as genuine as possible and uh, just help guide everyone through the process. So anyways, love it. Keep it coming. And if you have anything like that, I'd love to hear from you. Just reach out. Now, let's get into it, man. We got 2020 events. The, the events are something I actually wanted to do this year, but between having a son and the launch of the website, it kind of fell down on the priority list. So next year, that's like the biggest glaring thing that I'd like to do. And so I, I want to do like a training camp, but I'm bringing it up now because it's very early in the discussion. And I think honestly, you listening now probably have some great ideas for what you'd want from a live event by Dialed Health, uh, by myself, what kind of people we could pull for it. And so I just want to hear any feedback. So here's kind of my ideas. I have two things I want to do. 
One of them is the training camp. So my idea is over the course of a weekend, basically you come out two days, sick location, great trails. It would be catered toward trail and enduro riders. So sorry guys, if you're XE road or downhill, I think that'd be like my first most obvious place to start. And you basically show up for the weekend and we could try and encompass all training aspects to be a great rider. So from strength training, obviously that is my portion, uh, how we would implement it. I'm not sure yet. I know of local gyms near the spot I'm thinking about that we could probably make it happen. Uh, but also on the bike trail skills, coaching, just going out and riding for one and having a good time, but then getting pedal coaching. So like, what is your actual on the bike training plan by an expert, getting nutrition coaching by an expert, and then also some recovery. So hopefully the idea would be you leave with this all encompassing package of like, wow, this is making me such a bike rider. Or it's like, wow, I'm doing these things already really well. And now I know there's these specific areas I can work on. Uh, besides the fact that it would just be a super fun riding weekend. So that's kind of the goal. I kind of envision having 10 people max for it. And so, and it'd be more of like a intermediate to expert level group. Um, but I'm not really sure. So let me know your ideas. I really, really appreciate it. The other one I want to do is an actual live seminar. So something where it's like an hour to two hours, I'm honestly envisioning like 200 people. And again, I'm trying to manifest this also because it's like, how the heck am I going to do this? But again, we have a sick location and the idea would be you walk in and you get the entire dialed health philosophy and including some takeaways as far as programming goes. Sorry, I just ate a huge apple and now I'm burping it up. Uh, so a seminar talking about strength training for cyclists, actually pulling real research, uh, having maybe some live displays of people coming up and demoing mobility, uh, pedal performance, like all sorts of stuff, and then finishing with some type of motivational pump up and uh, just having it like an awesome event where people are, f they leave fired up and ready to go train. So, and also with a plan of what the heck to do. So that would be another idea. Any anyways, if you have a specific topic, let me know. I'd really appreciate it. Now let's get into the life update, man. We did a specialized demo event and people were flying all over the place on e-bikes. <laughs> I got to talk about it. I'm back. This is Mike Tyson again. I just want to say, Dowd Health Workouts changed my life. Okay, here's the life update. Mike, dude, thank you for the second endorsement. I mean, does it potentially discredit everything I just said about real testimonials? Maybe, but I'll take it. An appearance from Mike Tyson is worth it every single time. So I hope you guys feel the same way. <laughs> we got the life update portion of the podcast. And I want to talk about the specialized demo event I was at yesterday. It was down deep in the Bay Area, San Jose. Almost like you could see, this is kind of the funny thing. We're at Santa Teresa Park, South San Jose. This is in the Bay Area. And you can literally see the backside of Demo Forest in Santa Cruz, which is depressing because those trails are really sick. And the trails at this demo event at Santa Teresa Park are just not good, man. But what is cool is the convenience of how these trails surround the like expo demo type area. Like it's so accessible to literally go try a bike real quick. You have multiple different quick loops that you can go out on. And honestly, a lot of like there's a good handful of beginners out there who are literally riding fire road and like barely any single track. And then there's actually some super rough rocky trails that are technical to ride. So 
you can get a great idea of what bike is a good fit for you and just feel it. Anyways, the location makes sense for a lot of reasons, but it's funny that you're looking at these amazing trails and you just can't touch them. But yeah, we go out there and the whole goal is to get people on bikes. And I think Specialized Alone had over 150 people each day demoing bikes and taking them out and it was a lineup of stump jumpers enduros like the new enduros which oh i mean come on that is the best looking bike on the market those things are freaking beautiful and uh the levos and i gotta say of all of them when people come back from an evo or levo test ride dude (laughs) the look on their face is freaking priceless i think the only other guy that looked as stoked was this dude who owned a 1995 gary fisher he told me and he rode a s-works brand new stump jumper and he just came back with this like smile like he didn't know about dropper pose he had no idea suspension could feel like that brakes and he just was the the stoke on his face was unbelievable and uh yeah watching people come back after the e-bike rides is so cool It, it makes you realize how impactful they are and i think as they become more accessible with price point and like, I, I guess normalized for people as an option of a bike, they're just going to get, they're just going to take over a huge portion of the market. I think even more than people realize, like it's hard to even understand how much people like them until you see, you know, hundreds of strangers jump on and off them and have the time of their life. So super cool event. I love being out there talking to people. I was literally just like taking IDs, checking people on and off bikes, making small talk. And uh, I like to do it. You know, it's not a glamorous event. It's not like you're going out and doing this like, (laughs) yeah, a spectacle of a, well, it is a spectacle, but I guess it's just not glamorous. It's, you know, kind of like dirty work, but it's so cool to be out there with the specialized just under their umbrella, I guess. I'm, I'm so grateful for what they do for me and to go out and help out. It felt like, yeah, you know, I'm helping and I know that they appreciate it, but it's like you kind of feel like part of a team and I, I love that about that. So super cool being out. And the best thing was I was able to drag along my wife and son and I was worried about this because last weekend I was worried about bailing on them. Let me say that. If you're a biker, you probably understand you feel guilty sometimes like tight riding takes a lot of time. If you have a family, you're kind of, you're not bailing because sometimes everyone needs their space, but you just, you feel that pull every once in a while. And I was gone all day last weekend in Downeyville, no cell service kind of got in trouble. And I was going to another place that had like no cell service and I was going to be gone all day. So came up with a plan to drop off my wife and son in San Francisco with her sister so they can have a fun day in the city. And then I pick them up on the way home. Well, <laughs> the morning of, we found out uh, sister's husband is running a marathon in Berkeley. And so let's meet in Berkeley because it's a shorter drive. We'll just drop off and then I'll carry on to San Jose. Well, you know, it kind of sounds like a good idea until you realize, oh, I'm driving into Berkeley and there's a marathon going through the town, like literally surrounding the street I'm driving in on. And so <laughs> it was hectic. And I ended up dropping Lish off, Lish and Otto off in a parking lot, like a freaking hot rock. And she has to lug all this stuff across to go find her sister. And they did great. It was mellow, but it was just kind of funny because, you know, you go the extra mile to try and figure stuff out like that. And then sometimes it's just an absolute cluster. So thankfully it worked. They found each other. They had an awesome day, gave me some peace of mind while I was out there and didn't feel like I had to rush to get home or anything and just picked them up on the way home. But dude, 
I'll tell you what, busy weekend. Friendsgiving Friday night. I had work on Saturday, church, this event all day. Last night, I got home at like 10.30 p.m. and I was back in the gym at 5 a.m. this morning. So um, I think there might be a nap in my future if I if Otto lets me. We'll see. So I need you to reach out to Otto today and say, give your boy a nap. Um, but that's it, man. Uh, life update is over. Let's talk about why you're really here. And that's all about training through soreness. We are officially in the bulk of the episode, and I want to start by answering the question right away. Should you train through soreness? The answer is yes. You should absolutely train through soreness because it's almost inevitable, but there's dumb ways to do it. If you run with this to an extent where you're like, my hamstrings are the most sore they've ever been in my life, would I say that you should next day go sit on a hamstring isolation machine and you do hamstring curls? No, <laughs> that's not a good idea. You know, don't take this to that level. Um, but is there something that's going to fit for you to actually help those hamstrings probably recover while you still train the rest of your body and move forward with your program? Absolutely. So uh, I also should, should say specifically that we're going to cover muscle soreness. We're not going going to go into like general energy system fatigue. This is really just talking about damaged muscle tissue and how to navigate it. So first things first, what the heck is muscle soreness? It's actually microtrauma, little tears that happen to your muscle fibers as a result of you overloading the muscle. You're kind of like asking your muscle to do something it can't quite do. And for that sense, or for that reason, it just, it breaks down. It gets really inflamed and there's some pain and there's some tenderness. Um, as it starts to recover, it's rebuilding and it just gets a little tight. I think you all kind of know the feeling of muscle soreness. If you don't reach out. You're either the laziest person who's never moved or you're just an absolute legend. I'd love to know either way. <laughs> we could probably have a conversation. So that is what muscle soreness is. And yeah, I think you should train through it. I think it's relative how sore you are. It's a hard one to judge. I mean, there's people that tell me that they're sore and right away in my head, I'm like, mm, I mean, it's probably not that bad because you complain about everything. <laughs> and there's people that tell me they're sore where I'm like, whoa, like it honestly must be really bad. Like I almost look at them like, are you okay? Because they never ever complain. They have trained through crazy stuff, injuries, all this and that. And when they say, yo, I'm really sore, like maybe we should do a longer warm up. I'm like, that is a great idea. Because if you're saying it, it's probably bad. So I don't know which end of the scale you're on, um, but I'm gonna tell you about my worst case of muscle soreness. I didn't even know this was possible without some form of like lasting injury, to be honest, because I'm someone who is generally sore. Like on a daily basis, I can feel somewhat of a sore muscle, at least to the point where I notice I did some work with a, with a muscle group or whatever. Like I, it's rare that I wake up and just feel perfect. Like I'm ready to go. Like I'm not tired at all. Like, you know, I just, I'm too consistent to not feel that. And I like that. I like knowing, having that feeling like I did something, like I have activated muscle. It's, it's a nice feeling. But basically on the other extreme, <laughs> Of course, it's from a CrossFit workout I did. I, I really dove into CrossFit for a couple months just to try it out. I was getting very interested in it. And yeah, just uh, I was new at training and just trying to try all this stuff. So I go to this CrossFit workout. I remember it was pull-ups and burpee box jumps. There might have been something else. But basically, I had to do a ton of pull-ups. And I hadn't done pull-ups in like a year. Even though I had done them like all my life, literally, uh, 
that year, I remember I was letting like a shoulder injury heal. I was trying a lot of new things. I just hadn't done pull-ups. I was like, you know what? It's in this workout. The workout was for time. So basically your score was whatever your time was at the end of the workout. So you just do it as fast as possible. So (laughs) I'm going through these burpee box jumps. I'm getting on the pull-up bar and I'm just kipping like my life depends on it. I look like Tarzan, you know, having a seizure, hanging on this bar, just whipping myself around senseless. And I remember I did the workout and I felt accomplished, whatever. And I just, I remember that night, my biceps like started to get sore, like really tight, right around the insertion on the inside of my elbow. And I remember that next day waking up and being like, whoa, you know what? My biceps are really, really sore. Like everything else is like, I feel a little taxed, but my biceps, both arms, extremely sore. Now, I'm still training at the time. I'm going to, you know, gym, demoing exercises. I was doing boot camp stuff. So, you know, you just have to give thorough instruction, whatever. I couldn't get away from picking up weight. And I just remember throughout the day being like, wow, these arms are getting sore. (laughs) And that night, okay, so this is day two. The biceps get so sore that I wake up in the middle of the night and I cannot extend my arm. It's locked out at like 30 degrees. And I, or I guess not 30, whatever the other way would be. It was past 90 and I just couldn't fully extend my arm and I'm kind of freaking out. I'm like, holy crap. So I'm massaging my arm. I'm like trying to slowly stretch it. And it basically the next two nights, it got progressively worse. It got so bad that I could not stand and just let my arms hang because the weight of my arms stretched my biceps too much to the point where it was extremely <laughs> painful. Yes, I've had a lot of real injuries, and like this was real pain, okay? I had to put my hands in my pockets for like three days straight because that was the only thing I could do to alleviate the weight off my arms while I was standing. And I remember being a little freaked out, but also it was a huge realization of you should not, you know, go all out on an exercise that you're not currently adapted to, like just out of the gate like that. You you got to give your body time to adapt. And just because I had done pull-ups for so long, it had been a long time since doing them. And, you know, it was just like a bad idea. So that was really a big head check for me, but also a realization while like you can get so sore without even causing real injury. And I think it took like another week or so literally for those arms to get back to normal. And uh, so that's the extreme soreness. I compare almost everything to that and I've had everything in between. So at that point, the worst thing I could have done was go and rip a bunch of bicep curls or do some pull-ups. And I think that's when people kind of say, oh, you shouldn't train through muscle soreness. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. Like, it's duh. I'm not going to go do that. And what I'm talking about is, okay, should I try and ride? Well, even that hurt at the time. So it didn't, it was kind of discouraging, but also you have to think, okay, what is active recovery? Basically, it's getting blood flow to the muscles to help them recover. Blood carries oxygen, and oxygen is truly what recovers muscle tissue and honestly all sorts of stuff throughout your body. So even if I was to sit on the trainer because it's the only thing my arms can handle at that time and pedal, it's great because I'm probably plugging off a ride I needed to do that week, and I'm also allowing this blood flow to help recover the rest of my body. Now, usually when you're not that sore, you can work similar muscle groups. And this is where you're going to feel it even more because if you can get blood into that muscle more directly, for instance, you know, you have a really sore chest and maybe you do some form of an upper body exercise where you're like planking or you're doing a single arm row where you do have to use your chest to support a bench or a movement. And that way you get some blood into your muscle 
it's more direct but it's not like very taxing it's not isolating that muscle at all and that is kind of what active recovery is so even with like riding you can work the direct muscles and this is very common in riding through the same action but just at such a low intensity that it just literally enough to get the blood in your muscle help move the oxygen around and then the muscles are going to recover faster because of that but you don't like get back on your bike with sore muscles from a bike ride and just push till fatigue again you only do that if you have to if you're racing that's what you have to do but just to clarify if you're racing like you should be doing things that aren't healthy anymore to do well at racing and to excel like you're not just focused on being a healthy person anymore like i should just i guess get that clear so if it comes down to i'm really sore and i have to push again that's exactly what you have to do but that's why not everyone is an athlete that's why not everyone like races kind of an interesting topic the athlete thing too it's it's funny um anyways whole different topic but just keep that in mind the goal isn't to go out and hammer again so then if you're like well you know i did my strength training and my quads are super sore from these lunges I did, and now I'm supposed to go for a big ride. And so you have a couple options. Now, if you have other rides you could do for that week, uh, and this is in regards to setting up your whole schedule, so maybe you have a, a, like more of a rest ride that you can swap it for that day and just move something around. Like I think long-term consistency the most important thing is getting stuff done within a given week and the order I think is secondary like but ideally you would get everything done in the right order with the right spacing but like for instance you're really sore from your strength workout you had a big ride plan the next day and you're like you know what um, I, it's just not gonna happen so I can swap it with my other ride recover and maybe by the time I get to that what was supposed to be recovery ride I'll feel better than I do today and that's a good way to do it, to stay consistent. But there also just might be a day where you have to back off a little bit. Uh, for instance, I had the opposite happen where I went for a really, really intense road ride. And then the following day, I had a strength training session. And normally, I would add weight to my lower body exercises. And I just went body weight. I think I did Bulgarian split squats. And I just did them body weight. And honestly, it felt like enough at the time because I knew I was so fatigued from the ride. So Again, I stayed on program. I stayed consistent. I actually got some active recovery through it, but it wasn't the most progressive session. And so I think that's the time when you have to just understand like, hey, it's part of the game. You're not always, when you're consistent enough, you're just going to have bad workouts. And if your bad workout comes in the form of fatigue from another workout, then I don't think you're actually that far off track. Now, one thing to consider is that if that's happening every week, you definitely need to rethink your schedule. There's something off. And, or there's something going on with you. So that is just how to manipulate it. And I, I think it's truly the most ideal way. It's get everything done, done within a given week. If you can move things around to accommodate for how sore you are in a given area, I think that's ideal. But if it gets to the point where you're kind of at the end of a week or you're just backed up against a wall and just have to back off intensity or duration or volume or something like that, I would definitely suggest it because I wouldn't, I just wouldn't consider, can, you know, suggest hammering a battery part, uh, two days in a row. Like, and I'm talking about hard strenuous work unless you're racing and it's on the bike and you have to. So now you know exactly what muscle soreness is. You have a good idea of your relative scale of soreness. And you also know how to adjust your week based on that soreness popping up to try and get the most of it. So when you do start your training session, by the time you get there, it's, just all about starting slow. You literally take your warm up and add five, 10 minutes 
do it at a lower intensity, especially at the start. And just don't be afraid to really get into it gradually because you'll probably need it. Now, outside of those actual training sessions, you want to just implement recovery strategies. You know, we're talking baths and foam rolling and heat and ice and all this. So here's what I really like. Now, foam rolling is always a go-to for me, but I'll say you're working with damaged muscle and muscle that's like swollen and inflamed. So putting more pressure on it can be a bad idea. And someone asked me actually if you should foam roll a bruise and it's like, well, no, this was kind of caused by like impact and pressure. And the last thing you want is more impact and pressure. So just be very, very gentle if you're going to foam roll. I think there's a way to do it that's smart, but it really just includes like slow, steady movement, not digging out a certain area uh, because you're just probably going to make it worse. So I'm not saying no to the foam roller, but I'm saying if you do it, be smart and don't dig too much. It actually feels very, very good depending on what level of soreness you're at. I've done it. I usually try it and I have a different, few different rollers so I can usually find something that works. But my very favorite thing to do that I suggest everyone trying is an Epsom salt bath. If you haven't done an Epsom salt bath, you're missing out on a few things. First of all, I don't know. When do grown men take baths? When do grown women? Well, grown women probably take baths more than men. Is that a, I don't want to be sexist here. Maybe not. You know what? Can't <laughs> scratch that one out. Okay. I didn't say that. <laughs> what I'm saying is people don't take baths all the time and it, it just feels great to be in warm water. But when you add in the Epsom salt, maybe it's got a little honey infusion or eucalyptus. You're not only going to get the therapeutic benefits of that, but you're absorbing the electrolytes through your skin, the magnesium comes into your body and it's a way to get those nutrients that is, that you're not used to. And I notice if I don't, if I go more than like a month without taking one, by the time I do take one, it feels very good. In fact, I am due as I make this podcast. So try that out. And when you're done, you want to add movement. So movement is important because you're trying to lengthen your muscle, not past the point it was, but back to the place it was. So I wouldn't suggest holding some static stretch for a long time and trying to just like crazy sit in this deep thing, but just move. Take your body through four ranges of motion at each joint and try and get to the place where you at least were before you were super sore. I think that's a really good approach. Now at that point, you have a real decision to make. You can do the right thing and get back into water, uh, specifically cold water, either submerging or just taking a cold shower. But I understand that's extremely uncomfortable. You're already uncomfortable by your soreness. You sat in the Epsom salt bath. It was great. It was relaxing. You did some mobility drills. You feel good. But the real ideal thing to do would be to get that blood moving even more and Basically, cold water is going to do that because, uh, I mean, just to give you a rundown, when you get in hot water, your blood moves out to your extremities to try and keep your core temperature lower. When you get in a cold water, your blood moves into basically your torso all around your organs to try and keep your internal temperature, your core temperature higher. So basically, that's what hot and cold is doing. It's moving, helping move blood from the core of your body to your extremities and back. And that's why when you fluctuate, again, it helps move oxygen. And those are the benefits we're trying to have. So what's also nice about cold water is just with inflammation, you know, typically heat and inflammation kind of go together. It, again, this is a hard thing to keep up with because, you know, you have one study that says heat is going to make things worse. You have another that says heat is going to make things better. But 
I think that it just makes a lot of sense that finishing with cold is the ideal situation because, again, you're moving the blood, the oxygen, that's good, that makes sense. But also, you're just, I mean, icing in general <laughs> is something that feels like it's just doing the right thing and you have to go by the way you feel man i mean there's nothing to it but to do it you got to try these actual practices out and see what's best for you i know that getting back in cold water for me is going to make me feel the best the next day at that temporary moment it's going to be difficult i'll be honest um, there's also some people that don't prefer to do the stretching and mobility like i would prioritize the stretching and mobility over the cold water personally but then doing it all is the most important. Now, there's some people that just take hot Epsom salt baths and then they turn on cold water and they do the cold before they get out. That's a really efficient way to do it. You could definitely stretch afterward. Uh, but again, I, I feel like I get a better stretch when I'm warm and I just like that process a lot better. So do what's best for you. If you feel like literally skipping all of that and just jumping straight into cold water is ideal, it really might be. Um, I jumped in cold lakes after rides and some of my recovery feels better than ever after those moments so uh, it, it comes down to your personal preference and what you feel like you're gonna do more consistently as to what works on the most scientific level the best it's gonna be some variation of hot and cold with mobility so kind of pick your poison on that one but implementing that in a way that works for you is, is just gonna be ideal now this leads me into the idea of just icing in general to help with this muscle soreness and the recovery I'm a huge fan of icing but it's funny because the what's really going on with icing is kind of contradictory to what I've been saying about the benefits of heat. Uh, but this battle has been going on like the last, it seems like five years, and I still don't know what the verdict is. So I think it's worth trying both. But basically, the heat allows more blood flow and oxygen to repair the muscle tissue. Ice actually decreases blood flow, but it seems like it could allow the damaged area time to let the inflammation go away and to be healed but before you bring the muscle or excuse me the blood back to heat it up uh, because the heat and inflammation kind of can go hand in hand so it's just a weird one i think it's worth trying i think the nice thing about icing is that for one, it feels like it does work at times, but it's also very convenient. Like you can sit on your couch and watch TV and ice, uh, but you can also do hot and cold therapy with hot packs and cold packs uh, the same way you'd get in and out of a bathtub or turn on the cold water after. So it's just more convenient. And I just noticed like my experience training people, it seems like when people have low back injuries that are like just inflamed, kind of like these trouble low back areas, it it's like the ice just does something magic. I don't know. It's uh, I've had a few people have really good results with that. So uh, a little off topic from the direct muscle soreness, but yeah, it's just another variable to explore and to try. And I think to come up with your own conclusion, because like I said, if you look up arguments on, you know, heat versus ice, which one's better, which one's worse, I think you're going to find very valid points on both sides. And so that's it, man. Try it out yourself. And the last thing outside of these obvious thing, like therapies I would try, is looking into your diet you know if you are on a cut or some type of low-cal diet if you're in a deficit it could be it's more normal that you're not going to get the recovery that you're used to usually this affects your energy systems more than just soreness but if you are getting freakishly sore it could mean you're on too much of a deficit it could mean that you're not taking in enough protein we've done a protein episode go listen to that one if you have any questions about it and I don't know, it could also mean you're just not getting enough micronutrition and there's some type of 
balance that's off. Uh, you're off balance. <laughs> what do they call that when your balance is off? You're off balance. And so I think that it's worth exploring and just kind of being open-minded about the fact that, hey, you know, maybe I've adjusted my programming, I'm still feeling sore, and I've tried all these remedies, but you know what? It's something's off. I would really look into your nutrition. You know, if you're eating like a bagel for breakfast and just like a turkey sandwich with cheese for lunch and pizza for dinner with like, you know, no protein and quality micronutrients in the form of fruits and veggies, your body could just be telling you, hey, you know, you're asking more than you're providing. You're not providing us with the nutrition to repair and heal your body and create you to be a high performer like this. Some people get by like that for a long time. They just eat gushers and freaking Reese's puffs. Um, but some people, it backfires quickly. Either way, it's going to catch up to you eventually. So just make sure this is a thing that you're considering in your overall recovery and just general performance. And uh, with that being said, I think we kind of covered the big hot areas, man. Test out the foam roller, take an Epsom salt bath, make sure you're going through four ranges of motion at every single joint, experiments with cold therapy, icing, especially the heat versus ice, the packs, and uh, check out your diet, man. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really hope it helps you next time you're training through some soreness. Maybe gives you just some ease of mind to knowing that you're doing the right thing. I think it's worth trying out all these like therapies, the modalities, the uh, remedies, <laughs> all the ease. Because even if it doesn't help directly what you were hoping for, then you still are going to learn a ton about your body. And that's kind of what it's all about is just the experimentation and, and learning what's right for you. Now, if you have any suggestions on future topics, please reach out through my website, dialedhealth.com or on Instagram. Shoot me a DM at dialedhealth is my profile. By the way, I got this uh, podcast app. I, wow. I'm like totally losing it at the end of the day. I got this episode idea from someone who reached out and I forgot who it was. If you're listening right now, please shoot me a DM and I will give credit where credit is due. I will give you the biggest shout out on next week's episode because you deserve it. I looked, man. I It's slipping my mind and it's driving me crazy. So no disrespect. And I actually, I really appreciate you giving me this idea because I think it's going to help a lot of people. So with that being said, I will see you guys this Friday, bright and early. Start moving forward and discover your path. Peace.